is my show, and if you haven't noticed, didn't look at the calendar, it's Halloween. It's Halloween. I don't, I don't know if I'm some sort of like death fryer. I don't know what I am. Uh, probably, but by default, a molester. I'm not into any of that stuff, but I mean, that goes with the outfit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> dude, how cool was it when we got up this morning? Well, we got up in different parts of the city, but that Did fog we? that was rolling in. Oh, it was awesome. It was like werewolf weather. Yes, it was. And it, well, it's not anymore. No, it's not. The sun came out, and now the fog is gone. Yeah. It made me think. As I can happening, see clearly now. <laughs> it made me think. No, I mean, we'll let you finish in a little bit. The, um, it made me think that we should have had a, a fog machine for the studio for this Halloween edition episode. Uh, but alas, it wasn't in the budget, and I couldn't get anywhere fast enough this morning to get it. But um, <clears throat> here's the deal. We got Sean Parnell, who's going to join us in a second here. Uh, if you're on Rumble, which we hope you are, rumble.com forward slash Drew Berkowitz, hit that like button. If you're not, come on over and join us. If you're on RVM, stay there. Make sure you're subbed over there as well. Uh, but wherever you are, we're damn glad that you're here with us, whether it's Roku, Amazon, Apple, uh, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. We're just glad to spend some time with you on this Halloween. We wish you and your children the best tonight. If you haven't already gone out, uh, when you do go out, Make sure you do that daddy tax, too, with the candy. Got to love the daddy tax. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a lot to get to today. Joe Biden gave us another special moment. The National Archives just found 82,000 pages of emails where Joe Biden used a pseudonym. Kamala still says that Joe's the leader for our time. What a dumb bitch. And Russia and China <laughs> both are making their positions known on Israel and Palestine. We'll get into some Mike Johnson discussion. Ducey and KJP get after again, not sexually, of course, and some other cultural nonsense. Before we get into all that, folks, I'm pleased to tell you that this hour is brought to you commercial-free by American Alternative Assets. Our, our friends over there have got you set up. Right? Bidenomics not working for you, for us, for anyone. U.S. dollar is losing value, and your hard-earned savings as a consequence of all this are at risk. But you can act now before it's too late with one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. All you got to do is call my friends over at American Alternative Assets. They will give you a free wealth protection guide. They will talk through the whole thing with you so you can learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets that are out there. Call 833-USA-GOLD. That's 833-287-2465 or visit protectfrombiden.com. Okay, let's kick things off the way that we do around here most days with depressing news that's happening. This is the News Cruise. to have a good friend, fellow host on the RVM Network with us today for this Halloween edition. Joining us now is host of the Battleground Show, the Battleground Podcast, former Army superhero, great American, <laughs> just great all-around dude, Sean Parnell. Sean, thanks for being here with us. What's up, Drew? Thanks for having me. I, I Looking at all the costumes from all of you all, I feel very underdressed, but in a strange way, in a, in a strange way, they all work with somehow drinking. You can be a, you can be like Friar Tuck from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and yeah. just be drunk all the time. Yep. You've got a drunk pirate and a drunk Indian, so it works. Yes. Somehow works, and I feel strangely left out of that. <laughs> well, you do, as we <laughs> talked you know, earlier. You've got a shirt on with a dog in, in uh, was it Tactipup? What did you call yeah, it? It's, it, it 
It's uh, Tactical Pup. Yeah. This is my dog. I have a shirt on that's just my dog. It's Pups McGee. It says politics and hell, and it says Republican. Because in the state of Pennsylvania, she's legally allowed to vote with a no-excuse mail-in ballot. So that's how things work here now. <laughs> so amazing. We, we need so we, much help. Yeah. People are going to be mad for probably cultural appropriation, especially with your outfit, Disco. Uh, and we relish <laughs> that, and we hope that we've offended you. In hey, I, li I lived in New Mexico for yes. a few years, made a lot of good you, friends. You kind of so. look yeah. Indian. Yeah. I mean, you, you the, could pull off a No, lot. when I was there, they were like, so, what trap are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm Polish. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you, but I'm Polish. <laughs> not even close. Not even, not even close. I'm but, from the slap of hood. <laughs> I'm going to use that next time. <laughs> that, that's not really good. I'm, I'm pissed that I've never known that. But we've got Sean here. Let's talk yeah. to Sean because, and, and I want to start with this clip here. We, we know that Biden has left the White House a lot. He's spent almost 40% of his, his term at his residence in Delaware, or one of his residences in Delaware. But he, he made this comment yesterday, which I just, you probably saw it, but I just, I thought it was too good not to share. Let's listen to the so-called president. I've been going around the world a lot lately. <laughs> it's good to be home. You were gone one day, one day, <laughs> 24 hours. I know. But, I mean, let's to be fair to Biden, I, what I always say, I contend that they put him in the Lazarus pit every day. And every, and every day, the Lazarus pit is less and less effective. So chances are he has no idea where the hell he is most of the time. So maybe he does really, truly believe that he's been all over the globe. But the reality is, yeah, he's only been gone for like one day in the last, what, month? Right. Well, and I think you're right, Sean. I think that he does believe that. I think that he thinks that maybe the laughter there that was uncomfortable was was in in favor or support of him. And maybe it was, look, the people who go to those types of events, um, not necessarily friends of America. But, but I kind of, you hear that laughter, and it's kind of like, I think they're laughing because they realize you've not been gone, bro. Like, you haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, you should. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, every look, it's just a couple things here. So, first of all, Joe Biden's favorability with Democrats in the last month since the massacre in Israel, Israel has fallen 11 points. That is a statistically significant number in his own party. And then a net drop at three points overall in favorability. So people clearly, clearly see him as a problem. They clearly see his age and his cognitive ability as a problem. Even Democrats, something like 65 to 70 percent of Democrats think that his age is an issue and prefer somebody else. And here's another thing that, that frankly blows me away, guys, is that Barack Obama is the first president to live in Washington, D.C. in like 50, 60, 70 years. And initially, his excuse to the media was that his daughter is going to college there. OK, well, his daughter is not going to college there anymore. And he still lives in this mansion right smack dab in the middle of Washington, D.C., where his old staffers, along with Biden's staffers, go to and fro from the White House there every single day. And it just if, if you're a member of our media. How do you not ask questions about that and who's running the show? We know where the Kardashians are every moment of every day, but we have no idea why the Biden staffers are meeting with Barack Obama and why Barack Obama staffers are in the White House every day. It's, isn't that kind of crazy? It gives you a sense of like who's who's really pulling the strings in the Biden administration. So not only is he barely cognizant, can't string together a coherent sentence, it, th the next question, the next logical step in that line of questioning, well, who, if he can't do the job, who the hell is? And 
The fact that the media hasn't asked about Barack Obama is beyond me. No, it absolutely. Well, because it would be so damning for them. I mean, I, I think I think some of them probably know, but the, the ones who don't and haven't asked that question, you're absolutely right. It's it's ridiculous. And and then you look at so that's you look at him his his geographic location. You you listen to him talk about it. You know the the dream of wearing sweatpants and having a third term uh, and just yes yes. Bro, yeah. you, you, like you, you telegraph. Thanks for telling us w- what was going to happen, and 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 now we can see very clearly that is what's happening. But I think that, and then also, you, you know, no one ever really questions his his frequent travel. And I, I've long said, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Sean, but but one of the things is yes, there's there's a lack of information, a lack of of, of people asking good solid questions and or tracking. I mean, we all hate the paparazzi, but where the hell are y'all? bitches on on this case like like get get some meetings and stuff going together get some shots there but then you get biden who 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 gallops off and actually he doesn't he can hardly <laughs> walk but goes off to to delaware where there's no visitor log so 40 percent of the time 40 percent of the time you're gone and and at least the way that it's supposed to be nothing is is tracked or written down i know there's some logs somewhere but not like visible ones do you think that plays into Absolutely. Biden is is the least transparent administration that I can remember in, in recent memory. Uh, Barack Obama was was terrible in so many ways. But the Biden administration, I, I've never seen the media. So I mean, the media has for a very, very long time has been far left. Right. And I think even when I was a kid, like like watching, you know, Bill Clinton, the Bill Clinton presidency, I mean, there was always a sense and my parents used to complain that, boy, they are just biased. But now it, I've never seen anything like it. They, they, they basically just parrot Democrat talking points. And this is why I say that that Republicans are the party of we the people. And and what I mean by that is that, you know, a Republican Congress representative in Pennsylvania is different from one in California, is different from one in Texas. Why? Because their geographic districts and the needs of their people are very different things. So that's why you have all of this intellectual diversity and it's like herding cats in the Republican Party. You hear people complain frequently. It's like, well, when power when Republicans are in power, they often squander it. But that's why the Democrats are the party of they the people. It's a very authoritarian top-down model where three people in Washington, D.C., three or four people, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and of course Joe Biden and the people behind the curtain determine what the Democrat Party is going to talk about. They disseminate those talking points down to party members in the Senate and the House, but also to their allies in the media, which is why, you know, when a talking point, like say, for example, when Trump was president, the, the phrase, the walls are closing in, how many supercuts, Drew, have you seen of like, the walls are closing in? The walls are closing in. Oh, boy, the walls are really closing in because they're all like the Borg. They're like lemmings. They say the same thing over and over again. And, you know, the media was so with regards to his his time in Delaware. If we had a real media in this country, they'd be relentlessly asking him questions in he would have no breathing room. Right. Uh, but we don't. And because of that, the American people suffer. It is it is astonishing. You see all those supercuts on any any phrase, any topic, any anything that's um, you know in the news cycle. 
And to see that, all, like literally all the way down to some in, in bigger cities, local news affiliates that are part of the bigger corporations. Well, I mean, I guess they all are. But you see that, and it is remarkable how they're able to get everyone on message on their side, especially considering the people on the top hate everyone down beneath them. Their, their, their ability to manipulate their side and, and the masses over there and get them to say, yeah, we love you even though we hate you. We're telling you that. Just kind of pat them on the head a little bit. Go go do this, and they and they do. I mean, that man, the other side is so gullible. There's, we've got a lot of issues on our side too, a lot of naivety, a lot of a lot of gullibility on our side too. But the other side literally gets like it's like an a, a, abusive wife. Like they get beaten, and like <laughs> and they keep they keep coming back. It's like, what are you doing? You guys are idiots. Where where have you won? Talk about where you've won. When have they actually delivered for you? Not like student debt relief where you feel like you got something like they, they'll do some things like that where they give them these these things that feel like wins and feels like they care about them but collectively their life sucks well look at and look no further than cities where democrats have been in control for the last century you know philadelphia in the homestead in my home state of the commonwealth of pennsylvania like throw in to any search engine of your choice uh kensington philadelphia look at people who are hooked on fentanyl hooked on drugs there how it's ravaged and destroyed their communities they've been represented by democrats for the last 50 to 70 years and i mean philadelphia crime is completely out of control i mean you on any given day there are there are cops getting shot white right out in broad daylight you know there are riots they're looting every single day and it's precisely because of, of Democrat leadership. So if you want to see what the future of America would look like if everywhere were controlled by Democrats, look no further than some of these major cities like Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, anywhere Democrats are in control. They they it's not an overstatement to say that they literally destroy everything that they're that they touch their policies are so caustic that they create dystopian hellscapes wherever they are and to to your point you talk about the media in half of the country it is so true and it's a major problem where i, I mean look i my entire life I had teachers that taught me to think for myself the importance of thinking critically and questioning everything. Those things, and also tolerance, were often hallmarks of classical liberalism. That has everything has completely changed now. Not only is the are the left not they're not the party of tolerance. They're not the party of critical thinking. They're they're actually the party of authoritarianism. They're the party of big government. They're the party of the elites. Not just the elites. The ivory tower. Academics, the you know, ivory towers, you know, uh, academic elites. They're the pa party of of Hollywood celebrities, and now somehow Republicans are the anti-government party. Uh, the Republicans are the party of the the middle class. I mean, never in my lifetime did I think that I would see a, a major flip like this. But this is, I. I Trump is responsible for this flip, and I think it's a flip that the Republican Party should embrace and run with. Yeah, I, we have to. We absolutely, absolutely have to. Um, <laughs> well, I just want to button up Joe uh, real quick because he, 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 we did the travel thing. <laughs> Actually, we're going to come back to him on his emails here in a second. But we, play, we played some clips on the show yesterday of Kamala. I think I saw that you did too 
But um, in her her interview where she talked about how Joe's very much alive and, and running in 2024. But <laughs> but there was also this comment right here, which was not from that interview, uh, where she says this about Biden. Take a listen. President Biden is a leader with a vision for our future. He has the ambition to meet the challenges of the moment here and around the globe. And he has the courage and skill to lead us forward, including on AI. <laughs> Why is she talking like he's not in the room? Joe doesn't even know where he is. Like, yeah, he's not even paying attention to what she's saying. He's just kind of like ice cream. Cat. Uh, if he wouldn't, I, if he wouldn't have blinked, that I would be like, that's a wax figure of him, and it's in memory of Joe Biden. That's what I thought. I was like, why is she talking like he's not there? In memory. Can you imagine just having to utter the sentence that Joe is at the forefront of artificial intelligence? <laughs> Are you kidding me? He doesn't even know what it is. He, he it, just learned so, the supply chain six years ago. Yeah. It's so, here's the funny thing, is that first of all, like, this is just what the Democrats do, and the media allows it to happen. They just gaslight the American people. It's almost like everything that they say the exact opposite is true. It's like that Seinfeld episode where George is like, I don't know, Jerry. It's like everything, all of my instincts are completely opposite. And then he does the opposite of George does the opposite of everything that he wants to do. And all of a sudden he's meeting women. He's getting promoted. His life is going great. It's like, that's the Democrats on every single issue. Everything that they say is a lie, but it's always in service of something that's going to come out the next day, which you saw, I'm sure you saw the news today where the Biden administration issued guidance on artificial intelligence and how you know diversity, equity, and, in and inclusion and critical race theory needs to be woven into the fabric of artificial intelligence designs, which you don't have to be a, a genius to know that that is going to end up in disaster for humanity. Yeah, no, it... Well, just, I mean, these people and being in charge of anything... I love, by the way, too, that we keep... I, I know we've all talked about this. We won't beat this dead horse. But we keep appointing Kamala, who is arguably the dumbest person who's ever come <laughs> yeah. through 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And that's 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 impressive. We keep appointing her to all these huge issues. Borders are artificial intelligence that we're all worried about changing what the world looks like and what the human race looks like down the road. Let's put her on it. That that that, that, <laughs> that is so terrifying. It's it's almost like you know, it's like you think these Democrats are playing like 4D chess or something like that. It's almost like they're doing it to set her up for success or to set her up for failure because she knows everything that she touches will be an abject failure. And it's almost like they know that Biden isn't going. I mean, clearly, Democrat donors are concerned about this, right, guys? Like that Biden's not going to be the guy in 2024. They see his poll numbers. They understand how dire the situation is. While at the same time, you see Trump's poll numbers going in the opposite direction. So it's not just Trump is unpopular. Biden is unpopular. Dynamic is exactly the opposite of what they want to see happen. So clearly, people are concerned. And you wonder, it's like. The only person that is somehow less popular than Biden is Kamala, and they know that she's waiting in the wings to just assume his infrastructure. And some of the people that I know that are that are operating within the White House that sort of are just like permanent bureaucrats that work there all the time. The word on the street is that Bi that that Kamala that Biden was just waiting to make a decision about whether or not he was going to run again, and that Kamala was going to step in and just assume his infrastructure that was already existing, you know, for Biden for president. 
And and he was going to wait to the last minute as humanly possible to make that decision so other Democrats couldn't clamor to get in the race because it just takes time to hire staff and put them in 50 states and raise right. money. But you see that Newsom isn't wasting any time. You know, he's played his cards brilliantly politically here, and Newsom is dangerous. And, and now he's like over in China. It's like, why? Wait a second. You're from California, you're only like the sixth governor ever to meet with President Xi or a president of China. And now you're over there, it just so happens to be leading up into a presidential cycle and he's talking about normalizing relationships with the CCP. It's just, you see what I mean? Like he yeah. clearly smells blood in the water, right? Oh, absolutely. De Democrats don't do things for no reason. Well, no, they don't. And I think you're right on Cam Cam. I think that, uh, I think that she was put in these spots to fail so we can they, they can say on the other other side of, of meetings behind closed doors like look this is this was optically a disaster you failed now we knew you were going to fail which is why we put you there but but you <laughs> failed and then also i think you know when you had that that eight hour or whatever it was sit down with with alex soros and and people behind closed door there was a lot of those meetings going on one particular weekend i don't know a couple months back I think it was, here's why you're not going to be the person moving forward. And it should be obvious to you, um, but here's why you're not. And and here's how things are going to go. And I don't know if they determine what it is. And they, I mean, they probably already know because they play the long game. We don't, which is one of the reasons we find ourselves in the situation we're in. But I, I just got to believe that those kind of conversations, I mean, she knows deep down, she knows like, okay, I got to be vice president. I shouldn't have been. I wasn't qualified. No one likes me, including on my own side. And I'm not going to actually going to get to run and, and, and move forward with this in what traditionally would be the case. It's just not going to happen. I, I think she's got to know that, right? She has to. And look, I mean, the, when I say the Democrats, you're absolutely right that Republicans lose because the Democrats are just so good at playing the long game. They're not thinking one cycle ahead. They're, think, they're thinking two or three cycles ahead. So when you look at the way that the, a Democrat primary is conducted, they rig their own primaries through the superdelegate system. I mean, they, on their side, you know, there is an heir apparent should superdelegates want that. And that's why you see, that's why you saw for like the last two cycles, even though Bernie Sanders was clearly the only candidate in the race with a far left-wing populist base. He had an actual base of support everywhere he went. There were thousands of people there that were just enthusiastic about it, but the Democrat Party didn't want him, so they boxed him out. So if something like this happens, right, and if we war game this and try to think like Democrats, I think that if, if, if it's not going to be Biden, there will be a decision made when all their superdelegates are in one place at their convention. And it will be Biden up there giving a speech saying, you know what, like all these issues with my family, Republicans pounced and exploited my family and a good father needs to be there. Or I've got health reasons that I need to focus on them. And because of that, we're going to nominate someone right here, right now at this convention. And all their superdelegates are already going to have a plan in place. They're already going to have a way, like they're already going to know how they're going to vote. And if they do it that way, Drew, the de like Kamala won't have any chance to react. And that way the Democrats can effectively rig their own primary again without giving her any breathing room to react to anything. Now, what the Democrats are going to have to be really, really worried about, and I think the donors are petrified of this, is that so wait, so 
Democrat, you're supposed to be the, the party of diversity, equity, inclusion, and you're going to kick, you know, the first black vice president off the picket, preferring instead to nominate somebody like Newsom. That's going to be a real problem for them. And it's something that they're working out behind the scenes right now. Bank on it. Yeah, no, I agree. There, there's there is a tale that has to be spun there. Uh, some some rhetoric that has to get put out there to yes, cover their ass as yes. much as they can on that. But he, yes, and this sounds mean spirited and it is. But I hope I hope when all this goes down, first of all, I hope that we're able to win in 2024 uh, so we don't have to put up with this and we can we can have a chance of saving our republic. But I hope that Kamala, I, I, I never say her name right on purpose, but I hope that she understands at the end of this that, man, no, I heard that people said that, but I hope that she understands no one likes you. Like, you're just, you're just <laughs> an absolute failure. I mean, literally, her own part, you got your ass kicked in the primary back in, in 2020. I mean, and people thought you were going to win, thought it was going to be election politics, identity, or excuse me, identity politics. You're black, you're female, you're you're slutty, all those things. You're going to get the win and, <laughs> oh, and and just didn't. I mean, literally got what one point and was out so fast. It was it was it was ridiculous. Just just not well received. But let's go back to her real quick, because I, I want to and then I want to talk uh war and some of the stuff that's happening overseas while we've got you. But this kind of it plays into it, even though it doesn't, because Joe and Kamala were together and they were talking about AI and artificial intelligence, which, as, as she's reminded us, you know, AI stands for artificial intelligence. Um, but she was talking about it. And, and let's play this clip. And then I, I want to just have a small discussion on it. Okay. All to help make sure that the benefits of AI are shared equitably and to address predictable threats, such as algorithmic discrimination, data privacy violations, and deepfakes. We named it the blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights. Okay. Oh, so, great. Great. Kudos to her. She said algorithmic, right? I mean, yeah. that had to be tough for it's a her. Big word. <laughs> big, big word. But algorithmic <laughs> equity? What is that? <clears throat> They're making up. I, know. I know. You know what that is? That is whatever we put in there and whatever you search, the answer that you get is the answer that we want. It's not the truth, but it's the answer that you're, you're going to get because we decided what the truth is. It's like she watched iRobot for the first time. It was like, oh, we need to come up with some laws like they have here in the, in the movie. Because that's what it seems like. Well, here, here's the question. Look, AI is a threat. We talk about it a lot. I, I'm concerned about it. Um, when I, I, Sean, I was telling the guys, I, I was dabbling in it. I hate it. I'm super concerned about it. I think that there's so many more threats than there are benefits. I do see some of the benefits that some people talk about, but the problem is, is you've got humans behind all this, which is, which is a just huge point of failure. But we, we, you know, for a while I was trying to see if it would help with just popping out tags and stuff for search engine optimization for episodes and descriptions and that kind of stuff. It literally stopped working last week. It was like, nope, will not, I cannot help with that. I was like, okay, I'll take out this part. Maybe if I take out this part of the description and then I just add it back in afterwards, it'll do it. It's just basically, it, it was like red alarms going off and two middle fingers, like F you, Drew. I was like, okay. Um, so, well, I mean, has anybody seen Terminator? I mean, there's no way this ends well for humanity. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm not even, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but have you seen those robots from Boston Dynamics? The ones that can like do backflips and like, I, 
I mean, those like little dogs with the cameras now that they're using to, these robot dogs. Like once, I mean, at some point, they're going to integrate artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence into those robots. There's no question, and they're going to be somewhat autonomous so that they can sort of make decisions on the fly where the intention is going to be that humans are behind, you know, pulling the strings, much like Barack Obama's pulling the strings with Joe Biden. But at at some point, I mean, even with things like chat GPT, you know, it, it, like it learns on its own, you know, as the longer you have conversations with it, the more it refines the way that it thinks. And the moment that artificial intelligence, it sounds freaking ridiculous to even talk about as someone who, by the way, grew up and absolutely loved the Terminator movies. I mean, they, yeah. they oh, were yeah. great. If Terminator, Terminator one and Terminator two, amazing, like Terminator three, maybe not so much. Christian Bale Terminator was amazing as well, but just at some point it's going to become untethered from humans it's going to become autonomous and you even see this in the united states military in the department of defense and certain darpa programs where they're integrating artificial intelligence into like drones that they launch from aircraft carriers that are supposed to track for enemy subs like at some point i mean this is not it's not going to end well for humanity and then when you add to that the 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 brazen politicas like politicization that the democrats weave into everything if you think the federal government is weaponized against right-wing republicans or conservative republicans now wait till ai is calling the shots and you remove all human emotion from it it's not good we're all going to be classified as domestic terrorists someday because of some these whack job democrats and and an AI obsessed with critical race theory and, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Well, you, you, I mean, you talk about the the military aspect, and you, and you talk. I know, I know the audience here is like, Drew, stop sharing these stories again. Uh, I don't think that you. Really, <laughs> I think that I think you, I think you totally agree with him. But like, but there's the, the the military iterations that have gone wrong with AI. There's the 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 one at Google where they two AI bots created their own language and locked humans out. That is the kind of stuff that <laughs> yeah, will happen. Yeah. But here's what's concerning about all that. that 100% that is where it will go. But freaking Tom <laughs> made things so much worse with 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 this this theory. And I, I mean, it really, it, it's got some legs to it. Have I heard this theory? I don't know if I, I think have. You, I think you have. But, but there's all, I mean, all of the left... And, and a lot of their folks are behind the AI, right? And they, they, you know, they program it and code it. And the concern is that they're going to take over at some point, and they will AI and and make their own determinations, which is what we're talking about now. But what what have those machines been fed? What have they been told? Climate change is this big issue, right? And who, existential threat. Who, existential threat to humanity, to the globe that we live on. Who's the biggest Correct. threat to that? us so at some point it does become terminator because they're like that white guy there that person there that native american pretend native america actual Polak <laughs> threat to humanity must terminate uh and then and then and right then you, you've got a freaking predator laser three dots right that, 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 that's the issue with, with you know putting in falsehoods into AI. So if you're telling AI that human beings are the greatest threat to the climate, of course it's going to say, okay, what are we going to do to eliminate the threat? Oh, 
we've got to eliminate humans. And speaking of DARPA, John, I don't know if you've seen that that uh, project that the military is working on about the robots that gain fuel by eating biologics. And they say that- Yes, it's I saw that. <laughs> so just imagine like, you have, you know, robots that are trained to kill and then eat biologics for fuel who think <laughs> that human beings are the existential threat to the planet that's going to kill the planet. So now you have robots that are capable of eating human beings to fuel themselves to make sure the planet doesn't end. It's like it's, it's like really a messed up DeLorean from Back to the Future 2 when when Doc like allowed the DeLorean the flux capacitor in the DeLorean to consume trash except for now we're talking about cannibal robots that consume biologics in order to survive integrated with AI that's obsessed with diversity equity and inclusion. None of this ends well for none of this ends well for humanity. None of it. Can I just say as a side point something that makes me really happy with tonight's episode is the fact that we have referenced and discussed and weaved in so many <laughs> 80s films. <laughs> Nothing brings me more joy. The fact that Sean voluntarily brought up Back to the Future made me very happy on yeah. the inside. Maybe I'm aroused. I don't know. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to rule anything out. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. We'll do the stand-up test. Right? Um, I actually gave you Viagra uh, instead of ayahuasca. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's what's going on. We'll, cool. uh, we'll notify HR. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you are HR. Yes, I am. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to let it pass. I'm going to let it slide. It's going to be good. Um, okay. So, but all this this conversation, point being, and, and where I started before I took us off track earlier, is this is a real concern. We need to focus on this 100%. But as as World War Three is upon us, in, and on one of any fronts, and I hope it doesn't happen. It sounds like, you know, as I say it with a smile and a friar's outfit that I'm cheering for it, I'm not. But as World War III is upon us, or, or at minimum, likely regional conflict throughout the Middle East, we've had Biden at the beach. We have these press conferences and these gatherings where they're talking about all that stuff. And I get it, like life still has to go on. You have to do other things. And our government tends to focus on one shiny ball and ignore everything else. But, but it kind of just seems like, hey, shouldn't we be really focused on, at least in terms of your messaging, focused on what are we doing about this big issue over there two big issues with ukraine and russia which which shouldn't be an issue but it is an issue and then this that's quickly spiraling out of control people choosing sides left and right we'll talk about that in a second but but i just feel like the optics are so bad like okay the world's about to burn let's talk about Whatever, you know, we're going to bring yeah. back the presidential fitness test, like, which would be great. <laughs> right. yeah, but, like, <laughs> but isn't the match yeah, right. off? It's completely off. And not only are the optics off, like, just, just go with me here for a second. I mean, of course, you remember 2020, COVID, the lockdowns, you know, vaccine stuff, all the lies that our institutions told. And, you know, first of all, at compromised you know, the faith that Americans have in once venerated institutions in our government that were always trusted before. You know, the CDC, uh, have you ever had an issue with the CDC in terms of trusting whatever guidance that they issued? No, not before COVID, but it's become so brazenly politicized that Americans question it now. Yeah. And even things like the military are also politicized. I mean, you see all this woke BS and drag queen story hour on military bases and then people in uniform dressing up as drag queens and posting them on, on social media. Americans see this stuff. And because of that, they're trusting those, again, 
once venerated institutions has diminished greatly. So not only do you have an optics problem and a competence problem inherent in our leaders that we've, we've elected, in some cases elected, but in other cases that are just like permanent entrenched bureaucrats or what some of the people in the conservative side call the deep state, Americans by, by and large across the board, you know, except for probably a small minority of radical leftists, something like 25%, Americans across the board don't trust any of our institutions. So you add to add to everything that you just talked about, that it just scares the living hell out of everybody that not only is is Biden completely inept, at least before if we had an incompetent president, we say, well, at least we've got our military and they're great and generals that we can trust. But now, well, you got guys like Milley, even though he just retired, this is a guy that you know, just prior to the collapse of Afghanistan was on Capitol Hill talking about wanting to learn about white rage. And then like three months later, not even an exaggeration, the worst surrender possible in Afghanistan. So you see what I mean? It's just like none of this bodes well, you know, especially with World War Three on the horizon. None of this bodes well for our country and, and our citizens. Yeah. Well, and it is so, I mean, it's so sad that there are some organizations like, you know, you reference CDC there, but so many that now are just hated. And there's, I'm sh uh, just like there are some good people who work at the FBI. You probably know some, I know some. The right, the, the right. The organization's credibility is shot. You have the CDC. God forbid something legit comes along that is of grave concern. Yeah, like the, an aerosolized hemorrhagic fever. Oh, exactly. Yeah, the, the CDC says it, and everyone's gonna be like, "Yeah, now you, you know you're whatever." CDC, you know, like they're gonna look at them like, uh, like, like it's 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 the boy cried wolf kind of a deal, and it's it's a different in terms of the analogy, but the, the outcome is the same. Where it's like, yeah, we don't we don't believe you now, and then awful things will happen, and that is that is a terrifying thing in its own right. Uh, and same thing. Same thing could be for a threat warning from the bureau. I think people would take a threat warning from the bureau maybe differently than than something the CDC says. But still, the the point remains the same. You you've got Americans who don't trust the government, and and that that's that's great. I love that awareness, but it's also catastrophic. It is, and and you really you have the dynamic now as Americans don't trust the government, but it's also that these institutions don't trust Americans. And you think back to COVID about, you know, the, the wear a mask, it was, okay, no, you don't need a mask. Cause obviously a paper mask does nothing to prevent again, respiratory illness. Like you would never see, you know, a, a member, a member of the CDC where there was truly a, a respiratory or airborne contaminant that was lethal walk into a viral contamination facility with a damn paper mask on. It would never, they would be in a full mop gear mission oriented protected policy posture or a hair suit with ventilator looking like a damn alien or something like that. Right. So, but it was initially the guidance was masks don't do anything, then wear a mask to protect yourself. And then when Americans didn't comply, it was wear a mask to protect other people. And you see the, the, the social psychological manipulation there. It's like you, if you don't wear your mask, you're not a good person and you don't care about your neighbor. Right. And so my, my point is, is that uh, I, I always said at the height of the pandemic, you know, obviously taking it seriously because COVID is real and did ex did affect p older people with pre-existing conditions and all of that. But but my point is, is that like 
Americans, our institutions should trust Americans to really see for themselves, right? Like a pandemic should not require a marketing strategy in order for Americans to comply. If it were real, Americans would see it and say, "This, I, I, I'm operating in the, in the way that is best for my family to keep people safe. Like, for example, if there was a zombie plague like Day of the Dead or The Walking Dead and people were eating each other on the sides of the street, I would stay home and lock my own ass down. And every member of my family, like the government wouldn't need to tell me to do that. So, right. I, I, you know what I mean? So, like, this COVID has flipped everything on its head. And, yes, it makes – unfortunately, it makes things more dangerous for the, for the American people if there was some sort of airborne hemorrhagic fever. Oh, my God, that would be a disaster. Uh, but it also – with World War III on the horizon and nuclear powers all around the world, saber-rattling, no. Of course, it, it makes the world a far more dangerous place. And, and by the way, Democrats created this. It not it, it, some Republican governors played along because they were more on useful idiots. But like Democrats created this dynamic uh, because that's what at the core of who they are. The reason why they're all little Fauci's or many authoritarians is they don't actually worship anything higher than themselves other than government. And this is what they wanted. And. We're in the end phase of that, it seems like. Yeah, you know, the whole COVID lockdown, that whole time period of COVID, for me, the real, the biggest eye-opener was the fact that how Democrats in particular, their default position was authoritarianism. And that scared <laughs> yeah. the shit out of me. You know? Yes. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Like, if, if you think back to, like, you know, Democrats during the Vietnam War, Right. I mean, they hated the government. They didn't trust the government. It was like if the government told you to eat white bread, liberals were eating wheat bread because screw the government. But now that's completely different. Right. You even have like celebrities or, or members of punk rock bands, for God's sake, like all these punk rockers like that I grew up with loving. They're all like nothing but bootlickers for an all powerful authoritarian state. It's like the biggest disappointment in the world. And I think like I can't remember. It was like, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Talk about rage for the machine. Exactly. What a, what a collage Tom Morello. What a, what a pathetic loser he's become. But like you look, you look at like Sid Vicious, Sid Vicious, I think from the sex pistols was like, I never thought I'd see a day where, you know, people on my side of the aisle would be worshiping the government, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Yay, this is so He's absolutely correct. Actually, Johnny Rotten. Uh, Oh, Johnny Rotten. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's incredible how everybody, you know, like from the punk scene, it— Everything is flipped, you know, me, yes. you know, sort of being like a, you know, a fringe dweller my entire life and, you know, you? being, <laughs> no way, being, you know, a Gen <laughs> kind of like, you know, just kind of like hanging out in the shadows and everything, all of us. And then like, you know, after 9-11, it's like, hey, we got to do our part and this and that. And then after a while, you know, w- with age comes knowledge and the fact that you, when you've been lied to so many times and finally you're like, all right. Fuck you, fuck you. I yes. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't trust any of you now, you know? And that's what you guys, we were talking about the CDC and how much we've lost confidence in, in, you know, in the different departments within the government. And that's all because of the lies that we've been told over and over and over again. And finally, the truth in, in some respects are coming out. And, you know, you can see it. For me, one of the biggest wake-up calls is, you know, no matter how you feel about, you know, Snowden or Assange, 
you know, they they brought out, you know, materials that the public should know, and they're the ones, you know, now being put in jail. And the ones who exactly, exactly, yeah, and one exactly pushing propaganda, their stock rises and they get multi-million-dollar contracts. It's it really is. It, and look, I've evolved my thinking on this as well. You know, if you remember, I'm sure you do. All of you do. After 9/11, and and I joined the military after that, and wanted to get in the fight, and found myself in the fight on the front lines in Afghanistan, and all of that stuff. But even when the Patriot Act came out at the time, I mean. I supported it because, I mean, there's a stupid tw early 20s. I mean, there's a stupid kid. And I was like, well, it's called the Patriot Act. How bad could it be? I'm a patriot, but my God. Like, now you see that, like, anytime a bill is named something, just assume it does the opposite, like the Inflation Reduction Act. It clearly didn't reduce inflation. It just did the opposite and drove inflation through the roof. But you see my point, right? And, like, now... Like this is this has been my life. I grew up with the government lying to me. And so now like and this is why, you know, to, I don't want to get off topic, but like the whole concept of like old guard neoconservatives like Nikki Haley, the idea that we should be going to war and regime change war, regime change wars, like all that stuff, it doesn't work when you don't have a I mean, first of all, it doesn't work. Period, but uh, and I, I really, I really believe that. Like, I, I would even say that somebody like Muammar Gaddafi, like we, Hillary Clinton deposed him, and it's like at some point you have to realize the devil that you know and the devil that you control is far better than the devil that you don't, right? Yep. Um, and clearly, like looking back, hindsight being twenty twenty, Libya was far better off under Muammar Gaddafi, yep. far better off. I mean, as terrible as he was. But my, my point is, is that. These types of views, like peace through strength or American interventionalism, requires a, a, a public trust in government that is simply not there anymore. And at some point, leaders are going to have to rise up, and I don't know when that's going to be or if it's even possible anymore, that restore trust in government. And in, in, in order to do that, you almost have to be like George Washington after his first term of president saying like, look, look, no, or after just, no, I don't want to be a king. I'd rather be a president where Americans who were elected to power, give it away. And I mean, I don't have to tell you all how, how rare something like that truly is, but I think that's where we are as a country right now. It, it is. Go ahead, Tony. Uh, Sean, I got a question for you and we talk about this a lot on the show and I'd like to get your perspective on it. The Republican party, you know, of since, the days of like Lee Atwater and how you know George Bush the first one kind of like in an ugly way and it yeah yes Republicans decided that they would rather lose and lose with a hundred percent yes a hundred percent do you think that there's any way that the Republicans are able to right the ship and say look you know instead of us being you know the happy-go-lucky losers who lose with dignity that they're like no we're going to win, and we're going to win at all costs like the Democrats do. Dude, the Democrats' will to will to win is greater than, like, Michael Jordan or Joe Montana or Tiger Woods. It's like they will win at all costs, and they will crush their opponents and step on the, and happily step on the throats of their opponents as long as they win. Is there any chance that the Republican Party can develop that same sort of winning attitude? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, you are 100 percent right. And I talk about this all the time um, that our party is really the party of gentlemen losers, you know, and I'm I'm freaking 
over that crap. And this is why, so this is why I support Trump. I mean, you know, and, and I respect the fact that not everybody does and it's, there's a primary and believe me, I, I, I get that. Um, but this is why I, I don't give a damn how he talks. I don't care about his comportment. I'm not electing him president to date my daughter. I don't care. I'm electing him to be an asshole. Yeah. I, I want President Xi to wonder uh, about what a meeting with like uh, with President Trump will be will be like, and I want him to be a little bit afraid. So you're 100 percent right. So do your, directly to your point, I, I think that I think that there is an opportunity and there's an internal power struggle within the Republican Party right now where you the party itself is struggling to find an identity between traditional establishment Republicanism, like the Nikki Haley's, Tim Scott's of the world, and people like Matt Gates, Donald Trump, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, really, truly America first conservatives. Ameri the America first people, they are fighters. I mean, you, I mean, you know, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I mean, love her, hate her, like she she filed a, a, a motion or a, a resolution to censure uh, Rashida Tlaib. Like, that's what the Republicans need to do. They need to be, they need to have that killer in instinct that's required to win. And a, another perfect example of this is what the Democrats are doing with the lawfare that they're conducting on President Trump and his allies in court today uh, in Colorado. They're they're he trying to kick him off the ballot using a vague 14th Amendment argument that hasn't been touched or used in 155 years since they tried to remove Confederates from the ballots in the wake of the Civil War. Democrats don't give a shit about what it takes to win. They do it. And Republicans need to do that as well. And so at some point, you know, I, it, my dad always said growing up, it's like, look, you know, because we live in a constitutional republic, the pendulum can sometimes swing far left, and eventually, at some point, when the country has had enough, it will swing back right again. Um, eventually, the Republican Party is going to find our identity at some point. I don't know when that's going to be, but it's going to require them having a killer instinct like the Democrats. And like I said, I don't know, speaking in a football analogy, I don't know how Republicans move that ball down the field and score a touchdown. I don't know what it's going to be required, but I think the first step is electing somebody that's a true outsider that's not afraid to do what needs to be done in terms of like reforming our institutions like the how do you reform the FBI? I mean, how do you how do you reform the CDC? How do you reestablish trust? I mean, it's going to require bold leadership and bold action and at some level you know, compliance from the American people who just things have gotten so bad that they, they want to see these things done as well. And so I, I think there's hope. But, man, Republicans better find out, find their identity and find it quickly because the Democrats are just relentless in their pursuit in the wholesale destruction of America. Yeah. Well, and the problem with that is, is I agree. I think there is hope and, and we do have some fighters there. But because they never let up on the left, they never take their foot off the gas. I mean, they're like, they're not even not taking their foot off the gas. They're adding vehicles. They're, they've got a convoy that's hauling ass. Absolutely right. So, and we're incrementally, incrementally getting some more people that are fighters. We've got some great ones there with, you know, buddy Eli Crane, Anna Polina. There's, there's some others who are, who are out there hustling and doing it. The problem is, is, is it such a fight within our own party to get more people like them in because the establishment's grip on things is so strong so we've got to have like a a a you know fire sale where we get a lot of these people out at once and get more in where we can swing the pendulum a little bit faster just even on our side on on conservative votes um if we're going to keep this thing because they don't slow down and we're like you can like you need like binoculars to see the vehicle up ahead that you're trailing 
it's like we got, we got to get in closer proximity um which is about this analogy. is why i say but no drew this you're exactly right i mean this is why i say it's critically important I mean, for one, to elect Republicans that are fighters. And and what I mean by that is Republicans who, who know what time it is and know that part of their job is to piss the media off. I mean, you and this, the problem with our Republican Party is that they there are some, especially the establishment Republicans, who feel like by ingratiating themselves to the media, they're going to somehow be in the cool kids group and they're going to get things done. They're, they're liked. But the reality is the media and the Democrats, as ruthless as they are, just see those Republicans as useful idiots to help accomplish their agenda. And so, so much of, of what Republicans need to realize, they need to be fighters and they need to know what cultural time it is. And sometimes that, I mean, sometimes all the time now, it means you're never going to ingratiate yourself to the corporate or mainstream media and that you absolutely positively have to fight back against not just Democrats, the media, but also establishment Republicans. But the problem with that is, is that it's almost like we live in, we live at a time where like you don't have time to do that stuff publicly because as you said Drew the democrats are so united you know and when they talk about fundamentally transforming this country they mean tearing it down brick by brick so as republicans fight and quarrel over our identity the democrats are busy getting busy accomplishing that mission so it's it's a real dilemma for our country which is why i'm afraid that it's like are things going to have to fall apart first before real leaders rise up to fix it? I don't know. Um, but Republicans better get their act together quickly because we don't have much time left. No, we don't. And I, I fear the same thing is, is you don't want to completely start over because that comes at a huge cost, literally. But, right. But, but more importantly, in terms of safety, security, um, just hope, all of those things, it, it would be a huge kick to the nuts for our country and it would be a very troublesome and hard time that we'd have to go through. But here, here's the last here, the last thing I want to touch on before we let you go and get on uh, with your night is the, uh, the, the there's a lot going on overseas. You, you could argue, well, you know, we've got a lot of things to, to fight here and a lot of things and, and, and not argue. We do. There, there's all the things we've talked about and more. We could, by the way, this conversation has been great. We've got to do this again because we could just go for, for like, sure like days and days on end. But Overseas, there's a lot going on, right? We've got this this mm -hmm. war between Israel Hamas, which is really a war between Israel and Iran, uh, with their their you know the proxies involved, and and you've you've got so much involved in this, so many different entities, and we've got people choosing sides left and right, which is concerning and should concern people. Like, look, there's lots of death happening right now. 1,400 plus Israelis killed on October 7th. People still, people still being held hostage. People, there's probably a higher number than that that we don't even know about. There's lots of people being killed in Gaza that people are protesting on college campuses here about. Uh, but, but there's lots of that happening, right? Just in that initial fight. But the bigger issue is not this fight between Israel and and, and Hamas. It is where it goes next. You have you have Erdogan who's who's jumped in and has said that we might even get involved militarily speaking, definitely gone away from the NATO partners on this particular issue and saying Hamas is is they're they're not they're not uh, terrorists, they're they're liberators. You've got and then you've got Putin who came out and said this yesterday. Let's yeah, let's skip ahead to that clip. Putin we we referenced it on the show yesterday, but here's the just real short clip. It's it's uh, someone translating it, but take a listen to this. Stipulated our position, declared our position, and it has hasn't changed across the years. We stand for the establishment of the full fledged Palestinian state. 
So that's concerning. It's not surprising, but it's concerning. You've got Israel. We can just pop this graphic up. Or no, excuse me, not Israel, but China, who has deleted Israel from their digital maps that they're going with. So you've got big state actors, our enemies one and two, whatever order you want to rank them in, and, and China and Russia, who are weighing in on this conflict. Maybe not militarily speaking yet, praise God, but they are, they are weighing in and saying, we're on that side and we support a, a free and independent Palestine, which is very different than what the United States and our allies are doing. You've got Turkey who's jumping in there. You've got you know Lebanon that's probably about to pop off. Point being, is it's, is it's getting crazy. Is there any way to stop this thing from escalating? You know, I am not sure because the reality is you talk about the, the idea of a two-state solution and Russia, both Russia and China supporting a full-fledged Palestinian state. Anyone that knows their history knows that that is not tenable. It's right. not a reality that can be reached. And, and the reason is, is that the Israelis have extended an olive branch and tried to negotiate with Hamas and offer them a two-state solution multiple times over the last 75 years. They've rejected it, preferring instead to kill innocent Israelis and extend this cycle of violence. So clearly, that's that's not an end state that that Israel is going to tolerate at all. I think Israel's over it. And my fear is that if... Iran gets further embroiled in this, and they're already a part of it. There's no question about it. I mean, Hamas and I think Islamic Jihad trained in the month of September leading up to the October 7th attack in Iran. And this is the same month that the United States released $6 billion in sanction-free cash to the Iranian regime. So it's like we're funding both sides of this war in a very strange way, because when you think about it, when we talk about, oh, the U.S. has struck, you know, Iranian proxy targets in Syria, it's like, well, wait, we're actually funding the Iranians who are therefore funding their proxies to export terror around the world. We're also funding our own attack. I mean, it's like, it, it, it's it's crazy when you think about it like that. But if Iran gets further embroiled, Russia's going to get involved. Russia's already scrambled MiGs that have hypersonic technology that one missile can sink a carrier. Yes, we have technology that can respond to that. But oftentimes it's after the first hypersonic missile hits their target, right? right? And we have laser technology. We have cluster munitions that could stop it. But that's concerning as hell. Add to that that Russia has tested you know, a tactical nuclear weapon, nuclear weapons from their subs and intercontinental ballistic missiles in the last two weeks. This is a real the, – the, the, and then obviously the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict. I mean there is a, a an escalatory potential inherent in the fight, not just in Ukraine, but also in Israel that I haven't seen before ever in my life. And I'm somebody, again, who's lived through 9-11 and saw the full-fledged mobilization after 9-11. Nothing has been like this. It's never been more dangerous. And you add to that that our military is just not ready. And, yeah. and I, I was talking to my dad about this the other day, guys. Like, everybody that was in the military like me who— you know, got wounded a couple of times, 485 days of combat, hundreds of direct fire engagements. It's like, after I got back from Afghanistan, I was like, my nine lives are up. I'm getting the hell out. And I was a guy that wanted to do an entire career. And so everybody that was like me got out. All of our combat officers got out. And what we're left with are a lot of staff officers who's never actually been in the shit before. And they're the ones that are making all the decisions. So it's just a perfect storm of shit right now for the United States. And I'm just not sure. It seems like that this, this train has left the station and, and, you know, both Democrats and Republicans are slow marching to war that we're not ready. We're not ready for at all. 
We're not. We're not. And it's and it wouldn't be the only conflict, right? Because we're not giving up on Ukraine for whatever reason. Um, a whole other thing we don't have time to get into. You've got the, the, the possibility still of China and Taiwan. So it, we are just in such a vulnerable place. And yet the war hawks are still like, let's do it. Let's go. Let's spend money. Let's spend lives. Let's do it all. And let's just blow it up. And and, and I got to be honest, there's times where it is, is dark and, and on a Halloween night. It sounds incredible. Increasingly dark. It's like, you know what? Let's just do it. The U I mean, the U.S. put out today a, a new nuclear bomb that's 24 times more yeah. powerful than the bomb dropped in Hiroshima. Now, the the old version of me is like, that's badass. Where are we going to use it? <laughs> but the realistic version, who's a father who just doesn't want to lose our republic, is like, okay, we need that. I'm not saying we shouldn't have that. But we're at a point in time now where there's discussion and feisty rhetoric being spewed across the planet of people threatening these. There's Russia, to your point, testing one the other day. There's there's just so much on the line, and it's just it's just batshit crazy out there right now, and it's 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 very unsettling. And and this is from someone who, like you, spent most of my adult life overseas in combat zones. And I used to love that shit. And I used to support, to your point earlier, right. Patriot Act. And I used to support everyone. You know what? They're the commander in chief. You know what? They're this. They're that organization, they're great. I used to just do it. I used to be mad at Assange and Snowden. They broke the rules. Fuck them. But now it's like, okay, no, no, no. Now this is very different. And what we're talking about now is very different. And it's just, it, it really is. Unsettling is the best term I can come up with for what's going on. I, I, also, I mean, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, first of all, I agree with everything that you just said. I mean, I was just like that as well. But, you know, there is hope. I mean, you look at President Trump and it's harken back to him. But the reality is, is that any strong leader can get the job done if they're focused on the right things. I mean, I never thought in my lifetime I would ever see any sort of normalization of relations in the Middle East between Israel and Saudi Arabia. That was accomplished through the Abraham Accords. President Trump did that in four years, despite withering resistance from Democrats and the media, all these hoaxes, you know, two impeachments. He he got it done. So, yes, it's dark. It's 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 a dark time, but it's always darkest before the dawn. And there is a pathway out of this, but we just have to elect the right people to get us out of it. Yeah. No, I agree. And 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 the Abram Accords get nowhere near enough attention as they should. Exactly. One of the most amazing things you've ever seen in that region of the world. But Tom, I know you had a point. I'll let you get to it. I, one of the, the well, in talking about war coming up with Hamas in Israel, and then also throwing in Hezbollah, and this being a proxy war with Iran, I think one thing that we can't lose sight of and, and not discount is the fact of unconventional warfare, because. I, you know, all of us have been looking at these pro-Hamas rallies all over the world, and all it's going to take is for a ground battle, a bloody ground battle, to kick off there, and. Those dudes in England, the 300,000 that we saw in London, the even the smaller protests in the United States, thinking unconventionally, unconventional warfare, you arm those motherfuckers up, and it's on. You know, it's on all over the world without Iran having to send in evading forces all over the world because they're already there. And these guys get whipped up into such a frenzy that all they need are the weaponry to start you know, fighting in foreign countries other than Israel.
That's 100% correct. In fact, we already have intelligence just by virtue of our open borders, because of our open borders, that Hezbollah has thousands of sleeper cells here in the United States that are just waiting to be activated so the United States become embroiled in a larger conventional conflict with Iran. That's 100% accurate. And we already know this. And so to your point, the enemy is already here. And and this is why I tell people on my, on my show, you have to teach your you have to learn to protect yourself, learn to protect your home, find somebody legit that can teach you how to do it, and then show your family members because no one, our government, no one's coming to save you should shit really hit the fan. And it's not a question. It real and I mean this. This is not hyperbolic. It's not a question of if this happens, it's when. It's gonna happen. Yeah. And when that time comes, you got one shot to be ready. So so be ready. Yeah. Be ready. No, I couldn't agree more. It's just it's inevitability, which which sucks to say, but it's reality. So so being prepared both mentally, physically, in terms of your your tactics, your training, um, preparation around the house, all of that's so so important. You mentioned bringing up stuff on your show. We're gonna let you go here, Sean. Um, but we so appreciate you being here. What, what, the show, obviously, most people know now. Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. on your social media channel, your Rumble channels. The RVM Network, of course, all, all of the different things that we've got going with RVM Network, RVM Rumble, uh, Roku, Apple TV, Fire Stick, you name it, all of that stuff, Getter, it's, it's out there. But for those who haven't caught the show, I think they probably got a pretty good flavor today um, of, of how awesome it is and just how great of an American you are. But what, what, what should people expect of your show if they have not seen it? Well, just the unvarnished truth. You know, I'm I'm a conservative. I don't but I don't really give a damn about Republicans or Democrats. I care about this country and sometimes that means criticizing Republicans. Uh more often than not it definitely means criticizing the radical left because I think that as I say often is I I truly believe that the Democrats, the radical left, this ain't your grandfather's Democrat party anymore. They're an existential threat to this country and because of that conservatives have to be united in their mission in stopping them. And this is why I say, you know, if, if you're watching on Red Voice Media or you're watching on, on Drew Burquist's Rumble page, then go follow Battleground Live. And if you're watching on Battleground Live on Rumble, go follow Red Voice Media and Drew Burquist, because the fact of the matter is that conservatives need to be united and we need, you know, to use military terms, overlapping fields of fire in this fight to make sure that the enemy can't get in our perimeter. And so, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. We should support one another and so every night I just I just talk about, you know, any breaking political news of the day, news, politics, culture, you name it. Um, and really just try to I'm trying more and more every show to give people hope because, you know, I, it could get pretty depressing out there. But there is a way out of this that it's just about electing the right leaders. So that's what we talk about every Monday through Friday from five o'clock to six o'clock Eastern. And we're just grateful to be a small part of the of Red Voice Media Network. Absolutely. Well, we I mean, I can tell you as someone who's on it and also a part of it that we I just we couldn't be more excited and grateful to have you an amazing voice for for America for freedom. Just so re I mean, you're realistic, practical, which which comes with with people who have served and done a lot for this country. Um, but we're just so pumped to have you. Thank you so much for spending a lot <laughs> of your time on a Halloween with us. Hope the night goes well with the the, the family, and uh, we'll definitely have you back. Uh, this, this was such a blast. Sean, thank you so much. Yep, thanks, guys. Good to see you. You too.
All right, folks, make sure you are following Battleground Live over on Rumble. Uh, make sure that you are following RVM Rumble. If you're on my page, go to both those pages, click subscribe, then you'll get an email notification when all that comes through. Uh, real quick before we go to break, I just want to ask you a question. It is our question of the day. What is the best Halloween or horror film of all time? I'm not a big horror guy, I'll be honest. I've seen a lot of them, not a big horror guy. Um, I don't need the thrills and the adrenaline pumps uh, anymore. I've gotten plenty of those in my life. But what is the best Halloween or horror film of all time? Send in your responses. We will get to ours as well right after this break. Stick around. interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets dial 833 the number two usa gold yes call now 833-287-2465 this invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your ira or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences don't let biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar call 833 the number two usa gold yes call now 833-287-2465 act swiftly 833-287-2465 Never miss an episode and experience the best live in-show engagement with Drew and the crew on Rumble. Be sure to subscribe to Drew's channel to be notified each time he goes live for the best commentary, the best skits, and outstanding guests on the issues that matter to you. You can do so on the Rumble app by searching Drew Berquist, then click subscribe, or by visiting rumble.com forward slash Drew Berquist on your web browser. My business partner Jim and I uh, started Thistle Creek Reserve because we wanted to bring glory to God. We want to be Christ-centered seven days a week, 365 days a year. Our coffee is produced all around the world, some from Papua New Guinea, South America, and Guatemala, Brazil, for example. Beyond the Cup is its our life motto. It's our way to give back, and it's, for us, our charitable partners. Uh, we partner with the Tim Tebow uh, Okoa Philippi Project to help rescue women and children from sex trafficking. Uh, we partner with Seamark Ranch, a uh, foster care community to help show the love of Christ to children uh, who've really just been abandoned by their families. One of the things that we do is we go back and we support the missionaries that we help get our coffee from so that they can build churches and uh, schools and hospitals and dig wells so that everybody has fresh and clean water. We stand on core conservative Christian values 
and we will never shy away from that. But that doesn't mean that we don't love our friends that are across the aisle. We love them all. We want to serve good coffee to them all. And we want them to know that there's somebody who might not think like they do, but is willing to love them anyway and have a conversation with them. Welcome back. Reminder, question of the day, what is the best Halloween or horror film of all time? Time, time. I don't have this ear in. <laughs> this one over here. <laughs> um, I just want to get a clarification here. When we first started the show, did I hear you refer to David as a Pollock dressed as an Indian? <laughs> Probably. It was something like that. Something, it was, yeah. It was something yeah. like that. I'm gonna, I'll keep it down. It's hot. But I did. Yeah. That made my whole day. Because <laughs> you were talking about public uh, uh, cultural appropriation. You're like, this goes a Pollock dressed as Sure it sure did. Sure sure did. I said that. Those those words came out. Um, uh, so, uh, by the way, amazing having Sean on. Please, guys, if you yeah. have not already... Take a minute. You can you can open it. You don't have to leave the show. You can open another tab on your browser if you're on your computer. If you're on your phone, then then you just got to figure it out. But go uh, over to Battleground Live. Just look Sean Parnell. S E A N P A R N E L L. Battleground Live. <laughs> yeah, Battleground Live on Rumble. Uh, give that a follow. Of course, follow Red Voice Media uh, on Rumble as well if you have not. Um, but. To the question, what is the best Halloween or horror film of all time? Um, response is coming in. That's great. What, what, is, what is our collective answer on this Halloween? I, I was going to say Eve. It's not Halloween Eve. It's Halloween. It's just— Yeah, I mean, I guess the question would be, do, do these movies have to revolve around Halloween? I don't or think anything? so. That's why it's just horror, because they all okay. come out at Halloween. Like, yeah. everyone releases in yeah. October. So if, if, it's, if it's not, like, Halloween-centric, I think that's okay. Just have some fun with it. What's your answer, Tom Cunningham? You know, I would say my favorite horror movie, the one that had the the longest and biggest impression on me was Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, I was surprised it wasn't going to be Human Centipede. You talked about it all the time. I do like Human Centipede, but I'm going <laughs> way back. I like the old black and white films, and I also like the fact that uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon was the first film that used underwater photography. And actually, huh. some of the photography that was done was in this area, and I got to meet a uh, firefighter, a captain over in Panama City Beach, Florida, whose grandfather 
was one of the only scuba divers at the time that had an underwater housing for a film camera. So when Hollywood came to this area, to the Crystal River area, and then up toward the Tallahassee area to film the underwater sequences, they hired my friend's grandfather to film the underwater sequences with the creature. Mm. Okay, that's that, that was a very detailed answer, <laughs> and and I appreciate it. Um, but Human Centipede is probably one of my favorite horror movies, along with um, Devil's Rejects, which I watched the other night, and it kind of, it really upset my wife a lot to watch it. <laughs> so you're saying he was telling me the story? Uh, yeah, that you know. Um, okay. Disco, what are you going with? You know, it's hard. I had to, like, go through just some – just to look at a list because I don't watch a lot, but I have seen some. Um, you know, but, but again, like, I'm not uh, – the first Saw, that was incredible. Um, uh, Drew, uh, uh, Drew uh, Tom and I were talking about the Blair Witch Project. Like, that's another great one. Yeah. Um, but then also, too, I, on the, you know, uh, Signs. I like Signs. Signs was good. I remember seeing that in theaters. Not, is that horror? That's but, not really <laughs> – that's a great film. I love. Yeah, I guess it's film. more like sci-fi, maybe more thriller-esque. Yeah. But I don't know. To me, I, I would have to say the best one, The Blob. <laughs> that was on my list, or <laughs> The Thing. The Thing. Okay. I thought that like that was a good one too. That one scared the living daylights out of me as a kid. <laughs> you know, but also too. I mean, besides that's, I would have to say The Thing. I'd have to, you know. That's a great shot. Your skin tone looks great. Mm. Thank you. You know, you're very, very Indian. I'd have to, you know, even though it was a silent film, I'd have to put Nesferatu in there, too, because it's a pretty terrifying movie, just the way that... I didn't see that. ...depicted Dracula in that. You know, okay. he's the one with the bald head and the long fingers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I, maybe I feel like I did now. Or, I, or I could even go back and just go, like, Psycho. Yeah. That was good. Okay. It's, it's just, I mean, even anything Alfred Hitchcock, I think, would, would play well as Plays well. well. I mean, birds makes you look at little birds different. You're watching, you're like, oh, there's a bird over there. We need to leave. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I, I, this is it, it's a tough one. Because I, I, Tom and I were talking about this yesterday. I'm not into them now. There's a period where I like them. I just feel like I don't need any more negativity or satanic stuff in my life. Um, the world is plump full of it. But I, I will say, and you mentioned too, so I— some of the classics I respect from the, you know, the Halloweens, the Friday the 13th, yeah. I can respect them because when they came out, they were a big deal. And I hearken back to my life. Then Poltergeist uh, is what well. like there's some interesting ones. But I, I when it comes to horror, I know I've talked about it before in the show. I always give props to I think Blair Witch was interesting. I remember um, going with my high school girlfriend and a friend who always tried to get in between me and my high school girlfriend, which is a weird dynamic, but, um, he was trying to get with you. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, but go into that and then going out into the parking lot late at night, no one was there. And the car, I don't remember whose car, if it was mine or someone else's car had a flat tire. So we're out changing the tire in the pitch black and a dark. It's like, I remember being like, okay, I'm a tough dude. I'm a football player. I'm going to go play in college somewhere. But if Jason I, shows up, <laughs> that one was good. But, I, but the first saw man was freaking awesome. It was, I keep trying to tell my wife, like, I know you hate horror films. This one is so interesting though, how they did it. Just watch it. No. Okay, 
and then I can't, you know, I can't give her like one because I'm not an awful person, but like, you know, more, you can't like sneak wine. it in. Yeah, I can't <laughs> sneak it in and be like, all right, we're doing it now. She's just, she's just too disciplined and smart. Um, God bless her. But I think I'm gonna go that direction, uh, which is, which is where I'm landing. I'm going saw one. I don't think that 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 series should take advantage of people and come out with a new one every year. If you're going to do it every two years and like put more production into it, which is not how the horror industry works, no. <laughs> um, then then so be it. Like I'm okay with movies. Ha- like I'm okay with Mission Impossible having as many mis- movies as they do. But they take their time. They take their time. Yeah. They're great. I'm okay with lots of movies having several sequels. But every year we're just going to take advantage of you. Uh, well, the problem is, is people show up to the movie theaters every year in the box office. They make their money. Well, they spend shit on those films, and then yeah. they make a a. They just rake it in. Um, okay. Now, if, if you brought up Poltergeist, and then we can move back on yeah. just to shift gears over there. Uh, on and I know a lot of people aren't using Disney Plus, right? But on Disney Plus, there's a show called THX, and it's how George Lucas built the you know industrial light and magic excuse me that's what it's called light and magic that's what it's called and there's a whole episode where they talk about poltergeist and how they did all the special effects for that and it literally it's like when you watch it you're like oh my gosh they were ahead of their time when it came to how things were going to look on camera and they're like let's try this this might work and it did and we were all scared shitless because of it yeah and they did such a great job do you think do you think dr frankenstein tapped the bride of frankenstein (laughs) (laughs) and that's how we spend the rest of the show today people (laughs) was that his reason for making her or or was it really to give the frankenstein monster a partner (laughs) i mean let's be honest if you if if people are even remotely as broken as they are today there was some nefarious reasons for creating that i that's what i'm going with humans especially male humans are super the broken. The Frankenstein. <laughs> they just aren't. Gosh, it, it, I feel like it got so hot. I've lifted my fryer skirt up. Uh, for some reason, I decided to wear the pants to this, and I have them pulled up because <laughs> my legs are sweating. It's the sell, man. If you're gonna put on a costume, you gotta sell. We should have. We should have done a pre and post show weigh in just, <laughs> just from the sweat. The sweat. The I just love how cool Tom looks. Like even like with his hands with the rings that he normally wears, right. it's still fitting. Yeah, he's for wearing, a pirate. Now, like, now most pirates, <laughs> I would. Say didn't wear Ray Bans. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I can look past that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a great out. It's definitely the best outfit. Oh, here. yeah, he wins uh, the award. Hundred percent. Let's bring um, out the cake, Brenda. Brenda. I know I haven't been here for a while. But is Brenda not here anymore? She's not here. Oh, okay. Not here. Um, it's good. It's good to have you here. Uh, I'm that, glad. I'm glad to be back. That that's uh, it's nice. Um, so let's do this. Let's move into some 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 more news here because we've we've actually. Uh, we're we're going to keep this episode a little bit shorter tonight since it's Halloween, since you've probably got stuff going on. We've got stuff going on with families. But um, let, I want to start off with this because this this came in earlier today, and this is just a quote. I don't have it. Just go. I'm just going to read it here. Muslim Americans and some Democratic Party activists say they will work to mobilize millions of Muslim voters to withhold donations and vote towards Biden 2024 reelection unless he takes immediate steps to secure the Gaza ceasefire. So here's a couple comments right off the top with that. One, that's how the left works. We're, we're blackmail. We're, yeah. we're gonna blackmail you and we're gonna do it openly. If you don't support them, then we're gonna get millions of voters. Yeah, here's the other thing. Joe Biden's not fucking running in 2024, you dumbass bitches. So 
so there's some flaws in this plan if you were saying we're 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 holding it from any whoever the democratic nominee is uh or candidate is that would be one thing and and maybe they're inferring that but but he joe's not going to be the guy but to the to the point of the of the message that was tweeted out that <laughs> that is that, that is uh, the mob rule that happens in this country in this day and age is so infuriating you've got a small now maybe they would get millions but still millions is a small percentage of the greater us population and and you think you're the only ones that matter and and it's the mindset behind this i understand why you think what you think in in this particular situation as it pertains to Israel, Palestine, ceasefires, all of that. I understand. I understand how dumb you are. And, and there's parts of it where you're not dumb. But thinking that you get to dictate how the president in this case, how the entire population in the country should should feel on this is, is the problem. That's the bigger problem here. The bigger problem is, look, there's some shitty stuff going on over there. The, the biggest problem we're facing in America is not what's happening between Israel and Hamas or Israel-Palestine or Israel-Iran, whatever you want to call it. The biggest problem is how fucking stupid so many Americans are here and how they're destroying you, are destroying our country that you think is free. And, and, and you think, well, you think it's free, or, or excuse me, you think that it's, it's broken, but you don't understand that it's free, and you're about to eliminate that freedom where you can go out and make stupid statements like this, and then you're going to be like, shucks. I love how I went on a cussing spree and then went to shucks. <laughs> Shaw, shucks. <laughs> well, this, was, this is what happens when the left spends so much time in, with the uh, Grievance Olympics. They give, you know, such a big and giant voice to a sliver of the population. Right. And so everyone thinks that sliver is a lot bigger than it actually is. And when it comes to this particular voting block, of course, you're going to have the white shit libs going, oh, yeah, you know, they're an aggrieved class. And, they, you know, I see their point to what's going on because, you know, when it comes to the uh, victim oppressor, you know, of course, Israel's the oppressor, and poor little Hamas, you know, this quaint little religion, uh, you know, of brown people, they're the ones who are the victims. And, yeah. and that's that's just the way that they see, the, the white liberals see the Islamic faith. It's one of the biggest religions in the entire world, but just because, you know, black and brown people are the primary— um, uh, primary members of this religion, then it becomes this quaint little religion that everyone needs to rally behind. And that's why you see these dumbasses with their signs that say, you know, homos for Hamas or, or, or queers for Palestine. It's like you have no idea what you're doing. You think that you're on the right side of something, but you're totally not because they hate you. Right. Homos for Hamas kind of rolls off better than Queers for We've Palestine. got Hamas caucus and Homos for Hamas. That have come out. We need to print shirts for that. We, we have do. a print a shirt machine. Can we, can we I, make that happen? I, I just didn't realize, and with that statement being said, I just didn't realize that they were worried about the Muslim vote. You know, like, oh, we got to get the female vote. We got to get the African-American vote. Now here it's like we have to secure the Muslim vote, and we can do that by holding you hostage. 
Well, look what look what happened to our country by the look at the candidates who secured the Muslim vote. We got Rashida Tlaib, and we got Ilan Omar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know what? I would be perfectly content if that sliver sat it out, if we didn't get, you know, more of those two. You mean the Hamas caucus? Yeah, That'd more of the Hamas caucus and the Cory Bushes of the world and and the bald one that everyone forgets. Ayanna Presley. <laughs> well, you've got a hard name. Come up with them. You know what? Grow some hair back out and change your name, and you've got a shot. <laughs> well, she shaved her head because of branding. She wanted to make sure. That she did. It's not like, uh, yeah, exactly. If, if she was dealing with, with cancer yeah. or something, yeah. I wouldn't be saying grow your hair back out. Or I might alopecia. Her, Is that the one where you lose all your hair too? Alopecia? Maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think she has that. No, I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't she, think she has it either. Yeah, she's, she just. I think she just did it for that. And, and regardless, she's a horrible person, so whatever. Um, okay, let's let's pivot to someone who's who's by all accounts seems like a good person. Proof will be in the pudding down the road in terms of what is done, what's not done. But new Speaker of the House Mike Johnson uh, sat down on Fox. He's been doing lots of of stuff in the media circuit here as of late. And he spoke about plans to reduce government spending and combat a weaponized government. Here he was. But of course, our objective is to reduce federal spending. As conservatives in the House, that is a top priority of ours because we're haunted by the federal debt. It's $33.6 trillion now, Maria. You address this all the time on your show. Uh, we have to keep that in mind always. We want to decrease the woke and weaponized federal government and its apparatuses and, uh, and reduce federal spending and make sure there's accountability. So all that comes into the equation, all that comes into the debate. And whatever that top line number is, we're going to work very hard to come in beneath it and you'll see that that work uh, happening here over the coming days so i like it i like i like a lot of the things i'm hearing about this guy like a lot of the things i'm hearing from this guy combating government you know reduce government spending combat a weaponized government uh talking about we're going to find money for israel to support them but we're going to take it from money that was allocated for irs there's a lot of things that are like yeah do that do that here, here, here's what it all boils down to now. Do it. Yeah, make it happen. You, you've got to just actually do it. And then I'll, do, I'll be grinding on your leg like a freaking bolt, you know. Oh, oh. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's see where it's going to go. I didn't know which dog I was going to go with. <laughs> I was going bulldog, and then I was like, well, maybe I go Doberman, and then, and then it, I, I lost it. Point being, please... <laughs> Please actually do what you say. Uh, uh, even a significant portion of, of what you say, do it. And it will be a step in the right direction. For And it's not all on, on Mike. Conservative caucus, conservative movement, Republicans, most of which are hardly Republican, just go do something. Go do something. Stop talking about it. Stop saying it on Fox. Stop saying it on, on the Hill in a passionate speech. Stop saying it at a press conference. Just fucking do something. That's that's what I want to say. I like doers. If you're just a talker, you just do stuff. I think you're a worthless human, bring no value to society. So go fucking do something. Seems like you're a good dude. Do it. Prove it. Happy Halloween. Yeah, Don Bacon. Let's see what you got. Yeah. You're talking all tough and, you know, about your military service and this and that and what a badass you are. You know what? Show me. Yeah. Do something. But you know what? Don Bacon is typical of a lot of the other rhinos, especially in the House of Representatives. They don't do shit. They're part of their club. They don't want to have their their membership in their club upset. So they're just going to 
go along to get along, and they're just... Don Bacon's a pussy. He just is. I really want some bacon now. I do, too. <laughs> I'd love it if Don Bacon served us bacon. That's one of the my favorite things, and I don't go to Dunkin' Donuts much, but when I do, you get their snacking bacon, because they literally I've have... I've never tried it, actually. It's just bacon in We've a bag. we too many good it's, donut places. Oh, yeah, to exactly, to yeah. go to Dunkin' Donuts. But then when I'm on the road, it's like, yeah, I'll get an order, two orders of snacking bacon, please. Thank you. It's fantastic. I'm telling you, you haven't lived until you get the the salted caramel milkshake from Five Guys with bacon in it. You you got it for no, me once, him. and that was so. And you couldn't have it. It was so it. delicious. Well, I was trying to be good. Here's uh, the deal. I'm gonna say it right now. I'm gonna say it on air. So it's oh. so last night. Tom got us into more trouble again. A fucking big ass bag of crystals shows up. Oh man, how many how many did you order? Uh, twelve. It wasn't a ton. I yeah. mean, they're they're tiny, but you know, I've been so naughty. How about the French fries and the tots that came with it? Mm. I didn't try them, but they gave like three French fries and a couple tots. Yeah, <laughs> the containers it, were it like was, half. Oh. The, your driver, you know, did it. So so then I'm being naughty, right? And I'm hungry because when you eat bad shit, what do you want? You more bad. More, yeah, yeah, of you course. Want more yeah, bad yeah. shit. So I ordered five guys because that was uh, essentially hadn't had dinner. I mean, I had a couple of the crystals, but like. Hadn't had dinner, so I have that. And fucking Gustav, I'm calling you out. Did he not show Gustav. up? No, he he goes like the opposite way. Like he goes to like the other side of town. Jacksonville's a big ass town, and then realizes he's going the wrong way. Your phone tells you where to go, bro. <laughs> so then it gets there. By the time it gets there, it's late. All that to say, had gluten, which I'm not supposed to have. There's pizza coming uh, for after the show. We're gonna do it, and then and then we're, uh, there's a moratorium. On, on gluten for you at least for me yeah, yeah, yeah you guys order yeah. whatever you want I I've just gotta I've gotta reel it freaking in no, when I, I feel awful when we first moved to Santa Fe I was using Uber Eats to get uh, Wendy's one night wife was working kids were at my parents so I was like oh you know I'm just gonna order some food the guy decided he got lost and he went home and he never delivered my food <laughs> and I and literally I I could be like I I can drive to your house and come pick up my food and he's like no don't do that I'm like. He's like, I already ate it. I'm like, you. I paid for that. And I wouldn't. Get, they wouldn't refund me the money. I got so upset. I, I was, <laughs> was like, you gotta be kidding we me. We should call a Pred strike in on him. We should. I, I have. I know exactly where he lives. <laughs> so. Well, now we can't because I've said yeah, it. Yeah, 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 it's gonna be bad. We'll get. We'll get pinned on that way. We'll get. Uh, Bill Maher, who's had. Jupiterquist doesn't condone Pred strikes. We. Well, I do. On innocent people. On innocent people. Yeah. Um, I will. Um, I will say that Bill Maher's gotten a couple things right. I mean, he's he's not on our side. He's gotten a couple things right here and there. We've shown some clips where it's like, not that's just show you that he's even right. But it's like, okay, you're you're reasonable. You seem reasonable in that particular discussion or point that you were making. And then it's almost as if like his side, which no doubt they're they're talking about him. His side has gotten to him and been like, bro, what the hell? Like you're you you're you're being too reasonable. We're awful people. Remember. We make people miserable and we mock people who love Jesus in this country. Well, I, I bring that up because he was on his other show, or he was on his main show rather, but doing his like monologue part, and he tore into Mike Johnson. But listen, listen to what he tears into him about. L I mean, think about th well. Just listen to the clip, and then we'll talk about it. I know why you're happy today. The Republicans finally found someone who fits the glass slipper uh, for Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Exactly what I thought. Mike Johnson. Never heard of him, but he is, oh boy, do I like this guy. Super duper, ooper Christian. 
I mean, super Christy, and, a, and, a, and a, probably the worst of the election deniers. So the Republicans have really found their sweet spot. Loves Jesus, hates democracy. That's, I gotta say, this guy owns it. Because <laughs> we're, we're just getting to know him, so he's on the shows and they're asking him about him. He said today, or maybe yesterday, he said, pick up a Bible off the shelf. I didn't have one, but I get that. <laughs> and read it. That's my worldview. That's what he's saying. Talk to the hand, the one with the nail in it. Oh, <laughs> uh, ooh. He's like <laughs> My, and Mike, he's in a covenant marriage. I didn't even know what this was. Have you heard of this? It's a thing in Louisiana where he's from. I guess other places. A covenant marriage, like, like marriage isn't hard enough to get out of. <laughs> Seriously, this is a covenant marriage. Makes it very, very, very hard to get divorced. It's for people who hear until death do you part and say, I need something stronger. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and do you like pro-life? He's, wow. This guy, he's, he says life begins at insurrection. Wow. And, and he absolutely hates gay sex, especially when he's having it. Well, you know these guys are always... No, he, he, he wants to actually criminalize gay sex because it makes it hotter. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he, <laughs> this is a beaut, this guy. He is uh, written in favor of reinstituting sodomy laws. Sodomy laws. That's laws against anal and oral. <laughs> I... <laughs> I've never understood this about the Republicans either. If you're so against abortion, why would you be against the two places to do it where you can't get pregnant? Okay, so, wow. That, that's, that, that was a, who wrote that? I don't know, but his last point was kind of on the mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't. I don't like to judge and specifically I mean, we're not supposed to judge I mean we do like there's there's politicians we rip on who are in in, in the political sphere they're in a very public light and and uh, maybe we're a little bit mean here but you don't like you're not supposed to judge on people's faith or, or views and whatnot but it's like I'm pretty sure you're going to hell Bill Maher like like bro have you noticed what's going on in the world where we are you probably you, you probably have in terms of a geopolitical or news context but you, have you in terms of a biblical context the answer would be no because he, I mean he literally all he really did there he didn't pick on Mike Johnson he picked on Christians yeah he picked on Christian Americans but Christians everywhere he gloated about not having a Bible in his house good luck with that one scooter talk talk to the hand the one with the nail in it that that one was way over the top. But he starts a off blasphemous. Yeah, a little like he's really Christy. I mean, talked about the marriage. You know, his marriage being a covenant marriage. Okay, there's three states who call it a covenant marriage: um, Arizona, Louisiana, and Arkansas. But all marriages are covenant marriages. Again, if you had a Bible, you'd know that. You would know that. So that's just what it is. But I, I just, I, I mean, honestly, he talks about him being the worst of the election deniers, talks about how he loves Jesus, hates democracy, all absurd stuff. I know he's trying to get some laughs from people out in Hollywood, 
and he got some. But that is a perfect picture right there of, of the other side of the aisle, of the left. People who, who think any of that was funny, you're literally slamming the creator of the universe. You're, you're slamming a faith and you're slamming people who, who have different, I mean, I just, I, I, for everything that he said in recent interviews with people when he's sitting in the leather chairs doing the different show, that's quasi reasonable. He won, I was not on his side before. He 100% lost me on this one. You, you can't, you, and, that, and that's, that's my no-go zone too, man. Like you don't, you don't slam Christ. You don't slam yeah. faith. You don't, you don't mock it. Like, I mean, good luck. Good luck, bro. Every, every, every knee will bow at some point. Um, it's just, it's just why you're bowing. But the fact that we get upset at people tearing posters down for Jews who are missing is, yeah. is offensive. But yeah. he can slam Christianity, marriage, the, you know, the, a proper family, all that stuff, all he wants, and it's fine. Right. Well, it's low-hanging fruit. If he was, like, truly edgy, he'd go out. I mean, I know he's talking about Mike Johnson, but going after Christians is low-hanging fruit because there isn't going to be any, any fight, any repercussions to it. Bill knows, like everybody else knows, if you take on the Muslim faith, you're screwed. They will come after you. They will burst into your production meeting, and they will behead you right. if they didn't like what you said. Yeah. And plus, it goes back to the fact that, you know, the whole, you know, victim-oppressor ideology, where somehow we're, the Islamic faith is looked at as, you know, this quaint little religion of black and brown people, and so that means they're the oppressed. And, and so whatever they do is perfectly fine, because in the eyes of the white liberal, well, you know, these folks, they, they just don't know any better. And so who are we to say that, you know, making women cover themselves up and, and be subservient to men is bad because they just don't know any better. You know, they're, they're uneducated. And, you know, quite frankly, it's not our place to, you know, educate them. That that is you know to me that's the, the underlying hypocrisy of the whole leftist movement in the United States. It's it's the soft bigotry of low expectations what they what they practice on a daily basis. They'll make excuses for Islam, but at the same time they they will mock, ridicule, and belittle the Christian faith. Yeah, that, exactly. Which. I'm all for comedy, and I like Bill Maher at times, but like what you're saying, when it comes to like jokes about religion, I get real uncomfortable with it. You know, it's just like, it's like dousing yourself in gasoline and then like stoking a fire. It's like, why would you do that? Why would you bring that kind of, you know, unhealthy energy to 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 your to your own personal orbit, man. Well, they just don't see it that way. That's the yeah. problem. Well, yeah, of course. Bill's an atheist, so you know nothing. You know, Christianity, nothing is off limits except the Muslim faith, which I, the hypocrisy with that it, it just it sickens me. Yeah. Well, speaking of Muslims um, and people who are dead, like Bill Maher's soul. Um, you you you've got well actually not really dead you've got all this i kind of referenced it i think yesterday but i was talking to my son about this and i might even reference that about about how you've got to be careful looking at what the media says and what they put out there because 
there's all these videos out there, but I, I, but I, I say this legitimately because you've got protests happening all over campuses. You know, uh, the, the, the threat made towards the Biden administration earlier, if you don't do a ceasefire, we're rallying millions of Muslims to, you know, not donate to you, not vote for you, yada, 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 all of that kind of stuff. But you, you, you get them spun up and they get all excited about what's happening. You know, like the dumb college kid I was talking to this weekend who said that Israel's committing genocide. Stop it. But— they put out these videos of dead people, and you see ones like this. Just as an example, watch. It's going to be screen left here in a little bit as it pans left. Uh, you'll see someone's got an itch, and they're just a little bit restless here. But these are supposed dead Palestinians. Take a look. <laughs> And people can say whatever they want. They could say, well, this particular one, I don't know what they're saying about that one. I don't care. They could say this particular one was just a demonstration to, you know, illustrate something. Okay. That, that may or may not be true. Most of the time you see stuff like this where people, like, People are moving when it's supposed to be dead. You see people being carried off in stretchers on, on gurneys who are s supposedly dead, who then move. I was showing, you know, my son one where the guy's like, oh, pointing over to something like, there, these, these, these crisis acting scenarios that, that play out to try and sell a point, drive home a point, are, are, and they're part of conflict everywhere. And you see that and it gets people spun up like, oh my gosh, this, there's innocent civilians being killed, and there are, and there will be. It's war. There's going to be some collateral damage. But they, they try and spike these numbers way, way up, and they put out videos like this, and, and I hope that people catch it. I hope that people is, is it, it, but and, and this is how dumb we are. I hope that there's people out there who aren't like, yeah, so what's wrong with that? There's dead people here. That one's not. Like, no, the other ones are just better at staying still. Like... Please well, understand what a game this is. It's like watching soccer when, like, the guy gets hit and he acts like his, he can't walk anymore and he's in so much pain. But as soon as that yellow flag, yellow card comes up, oh, okay, I can do my free kick. I'm good now. Yeah. And it's like they're just waiting for some government to say, you know what, we're on your side. Okay, cool. All the dead bodies can wake up now. We're fine. Everything's good. It's, it's ridiculous. It is well, ridiculous. I, the left is always justifying things like this because they'll say, okay, well, this one was fake, but in the same thing with Jesse Smollett and all these other hoax crimes that we've seen, where their, their default position is, well, what they're, even though this one was incorrect, this is shedding light 
on a, on a much larger problem that's happening all over the United States or all over Israel. And that's the important, that's the important message here that we can't <laughs> lose sight of. That's what they always do. Remember when they had the uh, fake rape story, you know, rape culture, you know, on the uh, University of Virginia campus, and then found out that that was a fake story. Well, the more important fact, you know, this story may not have been true, but it's shedding light on the pervasive you know, the uh, shedding light on rape culture that's so pervasive on campuses all across the United States. That's how they always justify lies and hoaxes, and this is just another example of that. It is, and 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 they're they, there's just no bounds to. They just don't stop. They, they just no. It doesn't matter that that. Like and and they win and what's what's more perplexing about it and concerning is that they win those arguments. Like so you can show them this video, you can whatever pick up, so you can talk about Jesse or you can talk about anything, and there's always a yeah but, and then they always are able to get over the hurdle. There's a big ass mountain in front of them that you would think you have to get past to sell your point, and then they still do. They st like not for us. I mean, we're still like uh, no yeah but. In fact, let's go back to the main point and how you guys are all full of shit. But they, they pull it off because our populace is so naive and stupid that they're able to get away with this stuff. And people will see that and be like, oh, well, that makes me question. And someone says something to them and they go right back to, oh, I'm outraged. Well, it's hard because you could even go back and we could show that video instead of a video, but as an image. And be like, look at this. Look at all the dead people there. Because it's not, you know, it's just an image. They see, they see this image in an article and they can get behind it. Right. That's all you got to do. It's so that that's why it's so tricky and 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 for you in the audience and for your friends and your family members for your children. Some of you have young children, some of you have children who are super you know well established and into their adult lives, whatever the case might be. You got to you got to do some thinking for yourself. Do listening in in, in do do listening. Do do it. <laughs> Do the listing things, but but you've you've got to you you've got to do more than that. You've got to you you've got to hear both sides and then and then make determinations. Don't just li I mean same thing here. Don't just listen to to us. Like you know, keep do your own research. Do your own research. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> we we've got to um, we've got to wrap up because it's time to do some trick or treating. Yes. Who's ready? Let's get, let me put my hood back on. Let's do some trick or treating. But folks, we we appreciate you coming by today. Could Thanks you imagine so if the three of us showed up at your door? <laughs> trick or treat. You don't have the full size candy bars? This is bullshit. <laughs> um, we appreciate Sean Parnell coming by. Make sure you follow him. Battleground Live is the podcast. You can find it on Rumble. Go follow him on social. Thank you so much for spending time with us today on this Halloween edition. We're sorry it's a little bit short, but we do want to spend some time with our families. Get some candies so we can have that that daddy tax that comes later. Oh, it's coming. Uh, it's definitely coming. Hey, Drew, you want to see my Halloweeny? <laughs> oh, no, no. It's perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have a great night. Full episode, regular episode tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, right here, wherever you're watching. Be safe, be smart, be free.